Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. You can read all of our stories at themichiganinsider.com and michigan.247sports.com. Lots of stuff pertaining to Michigan football, uh, basketball, recruiting, as I said. <laughs> no, but there's there's lots of stuff going on. Even, even in what seems like a slow week for Michigan sports, there's still going to be some interesting stories. But today's podcast, or at least this one, is going to be a little bit less about Michigan, although we'll we'll tie it to Michigan in a couple ways. But talking about Michigan's one of their chief rivals, Michigan State, because last week Mark D'Antonio expectedly, unexpectedly resigned. I mean, I think everyone knew his days were numbered. I don't know if anyone knew it was gonna happen last week. We had a whole podcast about that if you if you missed it. But they've now made their hire, Colorado head coach. Mel Tucker will be Michigan State's next uh, head coach. He has previously, he was a GA coaching cornerbacks when Mark D'Antonio was coaching defensive backs at Michigan State in 97 and 98. And then when D'Antonio became defensive coordinator at Ohio State in the early 2000s, Mel Tucker was the defensive backs coach. He climbed the ranks. He took the jump to the NFL, was a defensive coordinator, DB coach for Jacksonville, Cleveland, Chicago, and then came back to college. Uh, I think he had to stop at LSU in between, but came back to college, coached at Alabama under Nick Saban, won, helped him win a national title in 2015. He followed Kirby Smart to Georgia and was the DB coach in D.C. there. And then Colorado hired him for one season where he went 5-7. and seven. Apparently, he was one of only three potential coaches that Michigan State visited. They visited Tucker first in, in Colorado. Then they fin- uh, visited Robert Soleil in San Francisco, who's the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. And then they visited Luke Fickle. So initially, and this is where things get interesting, is initially Tucker sent out a tweet kind of defiantly saying, I'm, I'm flattered by the MSU interest, but I'd, I'd, I'm here for Colorado. I'm here to help build this culture. And then, like, what, three days later, He's being announced as the as the Michigan State head coach. He he did three radio interviews on Tuesday. He was hired Tuesday night. Three radio interviews in the Colorado area, uh, basically affirming his his interest and his his commitment to Colorado. He was at a donor event, literally two or three hours before news broke that he had accepted accepted the job. Ultimately, though, for Michigan State. I think this is a pretty good hire. I mean, again, it's one of their three names that they really looked at. Uh, I think this is a better hire than Brett Bielema. I know that was one name that was being rumored. I This is a high, better hire than Mike Tressel. This is a better hire than Chris Creighton. I mean, basically all the names that had been floated around, I think this is a pretty good name, and this is a pretty good hire. But, but Steve, uh, curious your thoughts, your initial reaction and first impressions of this hire. Yeah, I think that considering the circumstances, I think they made out pretty well, actually. I think there's some potential with Tucker. Uh, he does have the ability to recruit. Although, well, I think they'll all blow over, but the blowback he's gotten from multiple uh, guys that just signed at Colorado, which, I mean, you expect to happen. You know, you get a lot of the these kids that they feel like they were lied to, which, I mean, they were, but but this is something that happens every year you know, kind of in the coaching carousel deal. This may be a little different, though, like you said, with the uh, radio interviews. I think I read one report that said 
that banquet, the donor banquet that he was at yesterday, that he had actually already agreed with Mich- with the mm. Michigan State before he went to the banquet, which that was from I think an NFL okay. guy out in the Denver area. So I don't do know. Do you how think it is he should have for the good of Colorado? Do you think he should have skipped? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I would say so. It, it, wouldn't you? I mean, I you just say that a. Uh, like delay it. I don't know why would you go if you know, like. Well, maybe maybe you want to because because one thing I will say the radio stuff I could absolutely believe that he didn't because Michigan State I mean they offered him but they offered him as kind of the second or third choice, the initial time and they they right. probably weren't offering five million a year. It was it's kind of one of those weird things where like to use a recruiting term, he wasn't necessarily a take for Michigan State at the time, but they were like visiting him and offering him and like pitching it to him, but they wanted to see about Fickle first, and Mel Tucker, I mean, he, I'm sure he could deduce that it seemed likely that Luke Fickle was going to take the job, so he's like, no thanks, and then he has to turn it into a positive, because it came out that he interviewed with Michigan State, sure. and so he has to like spin it as, hey, I'm, I'm here for Colorado. He didn't know Michigan State was going to circle back with $5 million plus a year and a bigger assistant coaching pool. Like, I really think Michigan State hung him out to dry by making this all such known information. You, know, you don't. You, That's their their leadership was, I mean, what it's been in a lot hmm. of other areas. It was just it was horribly handled publicly. Uh, just there's is there any other way to put it? You know, I mean, uh, was the one board member that basically called Fickle uh, waffling flake, and then they hire a guy who publicly <laughs> certainly appears to be. Team yeah, three to, yeah, you know, like the kind of ironic that that's how it ended up. But I know good, uh, good Sherlock Holmes deductive skills there because I I agree as far as you know probably him not being a take originally and then yeah I mean at the end of the day too you know yeah what's his salary at Colorado it was two point seven million a year was I mean you're uh, you're getting offered literally almost double what you're making. I mean, that's very difficult to turn down. That's not something that any of us would turn down in our respective professions. Uh, if it was offered to us, I wouldn't think so. You know, there is that aspect of it as well. You know, the recruiting side is ugly. That's why I always try to, t- I don't ever tell kids, but I would tell kids if I had the opportunity is, you know, and, and I know it's said a lot and it doesn't usually come to fruition this way, but you should always find like the program and the campus and the academic, uh, you know, thing that place that you're most comfortable with when mm-hmm. you make a commitment. Committing to coaches can be a very dangerous proposition just because it's natural that guys are going to move on. Because do you think I, I don't know that Mel Tucker ever lied to a recruit and said, Hey, I'm not going anywhere. Like I think that's what he knew at the time. Well there were Right, at the time. A couple yeah, I mean it's but again, if you're the kid though, it's understandable uh, to be upset. Oh yeah, no doubt. You just yeah. signed over a letter of intent to right to play for the guy for four years or three or four years or five years. So you know, it's like it's one of those deals where it's it's usually understandable from every angle, right? And naturally, because he's being paid a lot of money, he's the guy that gets most of the crap. You know, when the kids who are just student athletes not getting paid are kind of and are bound to this letter of intent. You know, I think sympathy tends to lean more on that side but really again it's it is it's understandable from all angles yeah i think michigan state overall though yeah i mean they kind of saved face here a little bit and making what looks like a decent hire because i mean yeah you were looking at you were starting to 
dig the bottom of the barrel type candidates and stuff and talking about, yeah, hiring Trestle as an intro, keeping them on interim and suspending the search. <laughs> Have you ever heard of a team? You ever heard of that ever happening? I mean, granted, the timing for D'Antonio to leave was uh, horrible. So, I mean, there was that aspect of it. But, you know, all things considered, if I was a Michigan State fan, I would kind of be breathing a sigh of relief a little bit. I mean, is Tucker a uh, slam dunk home run hire? I don't know if I would go that far at all. But all things considered, I think they at least have a guy that will maybe give them a shot. Yeah. So, yeah, I th- you know, which 48, 48 hours ago, or whenever Fickle turned it down publicly, you know, if you were a fan of a state fan, you're, you're thinking like, oh my God, like what the heck is going on? You're like, what is going to happen now? Like who's, you know, scrap the program type stuff. I mean, a couple of my buddies texted me yesterday, like kind of freaking out, uh, like what the hell are we going to do? Like, this is ridiculous. Like, you know, so, um, a little bit of a 180 for them, I think. And it's something in some I, yeah, regards. I think so. I mean, this is someone who has done well at all the college stops he has had. He's clearly well-liked. He's regarded. I mean, I, I don't think he's been fired from any college job and, and checks a lot of the boxes. He's from Cleveland, played for Wisconsin, coached in, in Ohio. Uh, he also coached at Miami, Ohio as well. Um, coached at Michigan State. You know, the, the what was the Beekman quote? The next coach has to know the territory. I don't think he knows every high school, you know, coach in, in the Michigan-Ohio area, but he knows the territory, and, and he's going to carry some weight. People are going to say, oh, I remember him or whatever. So, yeah, I think it's a good hire. I mean, he's it's one of those things people are, like, knocking him a little bit for going 5-7 and seven and being so-so at Colorado. But if he had just stayed at Georgia for another year and been their DC and DB coach. Like this would be seen as like almost a knockout hire. It's almost like it, and it's not his fault that he like yeah. inherited a Colorado team that wasn't that good. Uh, they did have some big wins. They had some blowout losses, but yeah, I don't really look at the five and seven. Uh, I don't really look at much of his Colorado tenure at all. Only that, you know, he's following the money and, and clearly, clearly Colorado is mad that he's leaving. So I mean, that's one way to judge how well he did at Colorado is how pissed is everyone that he's gone, um, even though he went 5-7. and seven. So clearly he had things heading in a positive direction. And, yeah, to, to your point, I, I, I actually do – I generally side with the players. I think it's hilarious that the NCAA – and not hilarious in a I enjoy it way, but just, like, ironic way that it's the millionaire coaches that get to leave whenever they want and then the players who are getting a scholarship – are the ones who have to like sit out a year before they can contribute or they have to like they have to air out their family hardship or their or their mental health issues it i don't know this to me this is just further evidence that there should be a one time transfer without sitting out no questions asked and to be clear to be clear i 1000% agree i think more of my sympathy definitely lies yeah. With the players, it's just it is something that is understandable from all angles. Ninety nine percent of the people in that position are who are getting offered almost double the amount of money they're currently making are going to jump on that opportunity immediately. You know, so it's it's understandable for the coach to take you know that opportunity when it arises. I mean, that's that's what these guys do, just like anybody does in any profession. You're trying to rise through the ranks, and part of rising through the ranks means better financial 
yeah. returns, you know, so. Yeah. But yeah, the players, yeah, it does stink. They should, like, these guys should be able to get, it should, it should be like a phone call pretty much for these guys to get released from their letters, you know, but remember we talked about last week after he stepped down is this is where that domino effect right. starts, you know, it's like now Colorado probably going to lose some signees, I would assume. Then they're going to hire a guy away, unless they hire from within, which I actually think is a real possibility. With uh, I think it's Shiverini, their wide receiver coach, I think is a prime candidate for that job. Maybe able to salvage a lot of it, and I guess it would maybe end that domino effect when it could have been, you know, a situation. I don't know. They hire maybe a guy coach of the Mountain right. West, you know, and it just just continues and continues. So. Uh, yep. Yep. So it'll be. I mean, frankly, I think Michigan State's a better fit for Tucker too. I I don't know that he's. I don't think he's coached anything out west, but obviously, um, I was I was generally. I mean, I I didn't know he lost so many games to close the season last year, and that they went five and seven. But I remember kind of seeing his his uh, energy when they were beating Nebraska. I was like, eh, this is this is kind of a kind of a cool. Yeah, you know, I could see his name. You know, he was probably going to take another job at some point, and so Michigan State. You know, you said it before the show, and I think you're right. They overpaid. He's making more money than Mark D'Antonio was. He's going to make. I'm, I I I think we've heard just a little bit over five million. I know, and there were some reports that it was going to be six million. That's probably not the case, but over five million still is a top twenty job, and and it's still up there in the upper echelon. So the, so they have high expectations. The 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 uh, assistant coaching salary pool, I believe, is going to be north of three million. That's that's a departure from what it has been at Michigan State. Clearly, they're they're giving him the license and the ability to go to go uh, to try to get a big name offensive coordinator. He hasn't coached offense very much. That's not his forte. So, I actually like the hire in a lot of ways. I think he hasn't done he hasn't been a head coach a lot. He hasn't. You know, I, I can see where Michigan State fans might be like, well, hey, if you kind of left Colorado on a whim, how do you view the Michigan State job? At, I mean, there's little there's little things you could poke holes in. I, I think it's a pretty good hire, and the phrase everyone's using today is considering the circumstances. Yeah, this is a better hire than pretty much everyone but Narduzzi among among the people Michigan State reached out to. Among other than Narduzzi, Fickle, and maybe Soleil, but Soleil. I don't know. I think he's comparable to Tucker, really. So I think this is a this is a pretty good hire, third option in a big time search. Uh, certainly, certainly can do worse than that. So uh, let's switch it a little bit to how this impacts. We can start with recruiting, and then go to Michigan. So, so he he has ties to D'Antonio. I think I don't know about about you, Steve. I think they needed. A coach that wasn't in the D'Antonio tree. If they wanted to co, if they wanted to recruit Ohio and they wanted to recruit Michigan, uh, particularly Detroit, because of how things have gone with with Curtis Blackwell, I think they needed at least somewhat of a departure, maybe a full blank slate. How how does how do you see this this Tucker hire affecting recruiting? He's obviously recruited Ohio a ton. I'm sure he's at least helped recruit in Michigan before. What do you know about him as a recruiter, and then maybe how this will be received among the upper Midwest top schools and top players? Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. 
the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I, th- I think him as for him as the head man, <clears throat> kind of like how you won't take into account his results as do you know coaching one year at Colorado, which I think is is fair and right. I'm not going to take too much into account as to how well he recruited at Georgia, because uh, everybody recruits well at Georgia right now. He did do a pretty good job at Colorado, though. I think they signed the seventh best class. Yeah, thirty fifth best overall. S- which sounds, I think, maybe a, a little worse than what it really is. Because, uh, you know, Colorado's one of those programs. I think they had one year they won the South, the Pac-12 South. Like, what was that, like four 2016, years ago, yeah. Four years ago they won the – right. And But besides that, I mean, this is a program that has, you know, hasn't done anything in years. You know, it used to be maybe the best program in the old Big 8 along with Nebraska and, and Oklahoma. So, you know, I think I think he's – well, any anything would be a step up for Michigan State, in my opinion, as far as going toe to toe recruiting against Michigan, because you know we talked a little bit last week. I mean, they're not even really recruiting the same guys right now, in state or not. It's just a reality. So to bring in a younger, energetic guy who has experience recruiting across the country, you know, I think is going to just by default is going to be a positive for them. Of course, the the million dollar question, maybe literally, will will be who he surrounds himself with. And so, you know, there's already the rumors about Kentucky assistant Vince Marrow, who's one of the best recruiters in the country, as being a legitimate candidate to come up. You know, and there supposedly have been a lot of other schools that have reached out. I know uh, the flirtation, the Michigan was noted as a potential spot for him a few years ago was overblown you know but but still he's been Kentucky's best recruiter for three or four years now and and has been one of the better recruiters in the country very does very good in Mm -hmm. Ohio which again I think is is Michigan State's best shot Uh, as far as you know as far as it turning around their fortunes with say this like 2021 class that Michigan in the in-state class that's like one of the better in-state classes I can remember I would be shocked if it changed Mm -hmm. much you know, just because, you know, 2021 is already really far into that cycle. I mean, that's one of the things I think the casual fan doesn't realize. You say 2021 and you think, oh, you know, and, and granted there technically is a long time until signing day and a lot that can happen, but it's very difficult for a program to come in now under new under a new staff and try to develop these relationships that quickly. I mean, their only hope would be to come in and he comes in and wins nine or ten games. Mm-hmm. And yeah. steals a few guys. Otherwise, which yeah, which you look at their schedule. Let alone who doesn't matter who their head coach was next year. I mean, you talk about what the way their roster looks right now and their schedule they had this season. You know, the odds of that are are slim and none. And so, you know, this is I think this is much more about down the road for them. But it is. It, it always depends on who the assistant coaching hires are, where, what directions they go there, what areas they like to try to exploit. But yeah, it's like I said last week. Even at their peak, they're still a regional, regionally based program 
that'll dip into, you know, they dipped into Georgia and Florida and Texas a little bit over the years, but there's just such an abundance of talent in those states that you kind of, you know, a lot of schools are able to get, you know, a guy here or there from one of those states, you know, but it's really going to, it's going to stay like, you know, Indiana, Ohio, Illinois, Michigan, maybe Pennsylvania a little bit, that type of deal. So that's, that's where it'll be interesting to see what direction he goes with the assistant coaching hires, how much experience each of those guys have in the, in those areas. Um, But, you know, but as far as it, the impact it has for Michigan right now, I mean, I, I, I don't think it mattered who they'd hire in an, in a short-term situation on the recruiting trail. It'll be much more about he's going to have to win games. Now, the new car smell might might get a few kids interested. One guy I guess you'd have to naturally think about is is Andrell Anthony, the 2021 receiver, because he's literally from East Lansing, right? So there might be a little bit of a, you know, some thoughts there. I think Michigan in good shape right now in that one mm-hmm. if they want to be. And, you know, and then that might be one where it changes a little bit. But as far as, like, the, the, the Rocco Spindlers and the, uh, well, Al-Hadi's already committed, but Dellinger and Payne and all these other elite in-state guys, Donovan Edwards, like, I'd be very surprised if Michigan State made any headway at all in any of those recruitments. I mean, it just, none of them were even considering Michigan State. We're considering them under Dan Do you think? You know, yeah, so. I I agree. I, I mean, in, you know, Michigan State they they have to win ten games a year for them to, you know, in terms of top two hundred recruits. I I think I think that's a that's the next level. But maybe can you get a few more four stars? Can your recruiting class certainly think it could do better than forty third nationally? Um, and so. Oh, I mean, they didn't sign one four star this cycle. I think we've mm-hmm. talked about that a couple times. But they didn't sign one four star prospect the entire cycle. I mean, that's insane considering the s- sustained success that they had under D'Antonio up until just like what? So two one years ago. one thing that so. always struck me a little bit, and I, I always kind of wondered this with basketball too. But but for for Michigan State football, D'Antonio spent two years, three years at Ohio State as a as an assistant, and He's a GA in the in the eighties too, um, but he spent three years as Ohio State's defensive coordinator. All of his other stops were Purdue, Akron, Youngstown State, Kansas, Michigan State, and Cincinnati. Tucker's got a different background. He's been a part of Alabama's classes and and Georgia's classes, and and again, I think you bring up a good point. They're always going to recruit well at those schools. Do you think he can almost learn a little bit by? By, observ- by observing how those classes were put together and saying, okay, what's the strategy? How do you pitch? How do you pitch? Because you can talk about all those schools do well, but they, there's also like five or six of those schools. And so they did have to win some of those battles. And I think he was, you know, Georgia had the number one class, I think, in his first year. Again, we've, we've talked about Georgia's jarring ascent past Alabama in recruiting and and obviously, but uh, still, even even aside from from that speculation, do you think that this almost helps because he's been a part of NFL teams? He's been a part of good programs. Uh, you know, he's won. He has two national title rings. I don't think he's taking them on the road with him because he was a defensive backs coach in both situations. But it's. Do you think? I'll bet he takes those rings. On you the think road he does? 
to be honest with you. I wouldn't okay. be surprised. Maybe to a hurts. maybe to like a cornerback or safety, he should. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. Probably not too many more qualified defensive backs coach. But I was just curious. Do you think? Do you think at least even like being a part of Georgia staff or Alabama staff helps you understand? Maybe just approaches to out of state recruiting or to out of region recruiting. Yeah, I think it does absolutely. Any of those experiences, being around, you know. A lot of times, you know, those are the schools that are recruiting at the highest level, but sometimes those are also the schools that are the most innovative on the recruiting trail. You know, I mean, well, think of it this way. You know, you see what Alabama's done under Saban, right? And now you look across the country. I want to say you had Cristobal at Oregon. You had Kirby Smart at Georgia. You had Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee. I want to say there's like somebody else. All of these guys, what do they have in common? former Nick Saban assistants who parlayed their, in my opinion, recruiting success. Maybe not so much Kirby, but Cristobal and Pruitt, to me, were classic guys who were going to hire a visible head coach who recruits really, really, really well and try to surround him with the best assistant, like uh, the best set of assistant coaches Mm -hmm. that we can. Does that make sense? Uh, And so... Yes, I mean there are guys across the, he, his tree across the country is full of now head coaches who I don't know if it's have adapted some of their technique or some of their strategies or whatever, but yeah, I mean I think there's definitely stuff you can learn in that regard. I just that being said, you know you talk like I say Cristobal, Smart, Pruitt, you talk Oregon, Tennessee, Georgia. Always been a different level football wise than Michigan State, at least from the national perception. Not necessarily on the field, especially like Tennessee, but still, I mean, you know, day in and day out, a school like Tennessee has always recruited at a higher level than Michigan State, even when they suck. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So they just don't have that. If this was NCAA football, Tennessee has like the higher prestige number than Michigan State. So those like those guys have that in their back pocket as well, but. Yeah, I mean, as far as adapting and, and learning and using what they've what he's learned from other programs, absolutely. So, you know, it is. I think this eventually could become a an interesting challenge for Michigan on the recruiting trail. I just it's just gonna be a matter of do they recruit the same guys? Because really, even at its at its peak, the most that Michigan and D'Antonio were recruiting against each other was usually for like four or five in-state guys. It was not as if Michigan was recruiting the same, not as if there were like 10 or 12 head-to-head type recruitments every cycle. It always came down to like, you know, five or six in-state kids. Those were really where the big battles were. So, you know, part of it will depend on what approach Michigan State takes under Tucker. If they stick regionally, which I think they will, but, you know, do they try to spread things out a little bit more, you know, and do that, you know, use that experience at some other places across the country? We'll Mm -hmm. find out. You know, I just, I just still feel like, to me, I just feel like regardless, I just, Notre Dame, Ohio State are always going to be Michigan's two biggest recruiting Mm -hmm. rivals. And probably Penn State probably ahead of Michigan State, to be honest with you. So, you know, unless... You know, you'll have your cycle every once in a while where you'll have an abnormal amount 
of recruiting battles against a program like State or Penn State or something like that. But year in and year out, I mean, even like I said, when D'Antonio had Michigan State at their peak, they were only going head-to-head for like a handful mm-hmm. of guys at most. By the way, um, six SEC coaches were assistants under Nick Saban. So. <laughs> yep, there you go. I mean, it's, it's uh, not a surprise. And all of them, like I said, were, to me, were recruiters first. And coaches second. I'm not trying to demean anybody's any of their coaching abilities at all. It's it's more. I just you know recruiting can take you all the way to the top mm-hmm. in college football. And like I said, you're seeing it. You're seeing Cristobal is to me is the best example of a guy who recruits his butt off. Was is a really good at connecting. And then also you see what they did in Cali the last couple cycles. Granted, they just lost their like ace Southern Cali recruiter back to USC. But smart enough to exploit, mm-hmm. you know, and that's all stuff you pick up from learning from the best yeah. recruiters. Yeah. So uh, last stuff about this, uh, you know, as a, trying trying to pertain it to Michigan, I the one thing I was w- curious about because I think Michigan State, you look at their schedule, they have to play at BYU, they host Miami, they also host Minnesota. And they, they travel to Iowa. I think their third crossover game is they host North, Northwestern. You look at their schedule, it's hard to see more than four or five wins. It really is. I mean, you know, at, at Maryland, at Indiana, those right now they're toss ups. And they still have to play Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. You know, you could throw at. They get Miami? Yeah. There's crazy. Yeah. Schedule. And at BYU is, I mean, better teams have lost in that, yeah. in that kind of setting. So going to be tough sledding. I guess, what does this hire change to me? I think there's a chance of an uptick because it's just a fresh start. It's not the same thing. And I think things had gotten a little stale at Michigan state. It just felt like, I mean, 2018 and 2019 looked like the exact same season to me. And so, to me, I think there could be an uptick in in motivation and development and and production. But the big thing that just boggles my mind, they got to have a quarterback. And I don't know what they're going to do. I know there's always quarterbacks in the portal. Peyton Ramsey makes a decent amount of sense. Whoever they hire at coordinator will at least have some, uh, you know, some determination on who ends up transferring in. But I think if Rocky Lombardi's their starting quarterback, they're four and eight. So if they want to do better, they have to find a different quarterback. I guess what is your impression of what these next two years look like for Michigan State now knowing the Mel Tucker news and knowing that they're going to invest a little bit more than they have in the assistant coaching salary pool? I mean, it's it's going to be tough sledding. You know, you, you can... All it takes is one crap recruiting class to like that can like really kill your pro not kill your program like all the way, but that can really bring everything to a halt. And this not demeaning these kids at all, but this group that they just signed is just it's not a high caliber group in my opinion. Uh, no four stars or not. It's just it's not a. You know, it is. It's going to be very interesting to see how this class turns out for them. And they, they, yeah, like you said, 
they need two things. They need a healthy offensive line and they need a quarterback. I think they need the second. I mean, you know, the first is always, you know, you want to be healthy everywhere, but you know, they need a quarterback more than anything. So, you know, they'll be able to go in and pitch to a kid. They could basically, they're in a position now they could hand the keys over to a kid freshman year if they find the right guy, you know? So there is that if they do, if they do find the right caliber kid, but I mean, within their system right now, like we talked about last week, you would have thought Theo Day would have had more of a say in how things played out last year if he looked like somebody who'd be somebody at this point. I mean, it's his third year, that was his third or second year in the in the program, and you know, you saw how Lewerke looked, you saw how Lombardi looked in his stead. You know, you think thought maybe you'd see a little more Theo Day. I mean, maybe there's still something there. Just the early returns really can't be that good if you haven't seen that much of him yet, given the current circumstances at quarterback. So. Yeah, that's. I think that's the biggest thing for them. Got to find a quarterback, and yeah, I mean, they got to obviously adapt a new scheme too. I mean, that's the other thing is you know, they need they need yeah, like you said, they need a fresh start. And I, I do agree. It, you know, I think I don't know if that means a win or two that they wouldn't have gotten otherwise. I, I don't know, but you know, we'll see. It'll be it'll be interesting, but it's it's. I just don't see this as an immediate turnaround mm-hmm. type situation. And Matt and Mel Tucker, because I think somebody had brought up, you know, how Baylor actually kind of turned it around pretty quickly. But I'm sorry, but Mel Tucker is not Matt Rule. Uh, you know, I think Matt Rule, the exception, and well, not the rule. I, 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 don't, <laughs> I guess in that type of deal. So I know. I was well, the Big Twelve saying, also but, doesn't have Michigan, yes, Ohio State, and Penn State. They have Oklahoma, who's tough, but Baylor also didn't get past Oklahoma. So, right. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it is though. I think they have tough sledding ahead, no matter what, no matter who was hired in, no matter you know. This is going to be. I don't want to say long term fix because long term makes it sound like you know five six years, but I don't. I don't think it's a short term fix. I think best case scenario is it's a mid term. Yeah. Fix. You know. I think I think so. you'll have a sense by year three. You know, it might not be all the way there, yep. but I think you'll have a sense for if things are going in the right direction by year three. Um, doesn't mean he has to win a title. Doesn't mean he has to beat Michigan or Ohio State, but you'll have a sense, like, you know, depending on where they finish in the Big Ten. Are they are they continuing to stomp teams like Indiana and Maryland, or is that kind of an even, even matchup? So uh, we'll follow this. Obviously, if there's more news, we'll discuss it, but... For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Even though it was mostly about Michigan State, uh, you can check out all of our Michigan State stuff over at michiganstate.247sports.com and spartantailgate.com if, you, if you'd like. But, no, we'll we'll keep sharing the news as, as we get it uh, for this developing story. Uh, look out for a basketball podcast coming up next. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. See you next time.